The Naked DJs Podcast. Are they really naked? We know. They expose themselves every day just so they can bring you the best of music. They like to stick it out there for everyone to hear. You can hear their podcast on Anchor.fm, YouTube, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by Carrington Smith. Carrington is an author, a single mom, an attorney, a business owner, and an executive search professional. Carrington was born with a silver spoon in her mouth, but despite that, she experienced insurmountable trauma. So we're going to be talking about her life and all that she's been through, as well as her book. Carrington, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. Well, despite all the descriptive terms that you used, I would describe myself as just an ordinary girl. Um, I like to believe that one of the reasons that my book is so powerful is because it really deals with a lot of universal truths that, you know, are relevant to all of us. But my background begins um, way, way back, a couple generations back. My great-great-grandfather founded International Paper Company, which is the largest paper company in the world. And so my predecessors, um, they lived a storied life hanging out with the Vanderbilts and DuPonts and the Astors and were really living that great Gatsby life. However, when we get to my grandmother, um, she lived that life, but something happened in her generation where the bulk of the wealth did not pass on. And so what we ended up with my grandmother's, uh, she was full of resentment at having been raised in this I mean, it's really, if it is like the great Gatsby or any of the movies that you would see, we would watch black and white, um, films of her childhood. And it was just, it's indescribable how amazing it was. So she went to this, uh, exclusive boarding school called Miss Porter school. Then she went to finishing school in Switzerland and had her debut at the Ritz Carlton in New York married someone who was equally socially privileged. And again, we don't, I don't really understand what happened, but the bulk of the wealth didn't pass to him either. So my grandfather and grandmother, particularly my grandmother were very, very spoiled children who grew up full of resentment, but also trying to cling to their high society past 
and insistent that we still my them and my parents and even down to us uh remain members of all these exclusive clubs go to all the right schools um and held us to the standard that we were expected to live up to the lifestyle <laughs> of um of her father so my great-grandfather um so i was brought up in a family that was full of expectation but didn't have the money to support it and the money that they did have they focused on my older brother and older sister to make sure they went to those same kinds of schools and had those same kinds of experiences but being the third child i was expected to live up to these expectations but had none of the family or financial support and a, a family that just was so full of resentment. So while I literally was born with a, a sterling silver monogram spoon from Tiffany and company um, and a, their silver cups, the life that people would think that I lived is not the life that I lived. Um, my brother and sister lived some of that life. I didn't at all. Well, tell us about the life that you did live, despite having a silver spoon in your mouth. Yeah, well, it was only in my mouth in the beginning. But um, so my brother uh, went to Stanford. My sister went to the same private school, female boarding school called Miss Porter School that my mother and grandmother went to. And then when they got to me, they said, can you switch to public high school so your sister can go to Miss Porter's? And can you go in state for college? Because we're going to pay for your brother to go to Stanford and your sister to go to University of Southern California. And so as the third child, I wasn't given the opportunities that they were. And what happened was when I went to Washington State University, I... in the fall of my sophomore year, I was raped. And I was told by a sorority sister and by my parents never to speak of it. So again, a family with no support, you know, emotional support even. Um, so I kept it a secret and I transferred to the University of Texas at Austin and I never really dated. Um, I lived out the message that the rapist had given me that I was uh, not worthy, worthy of being treated like a woman, that I was just worthy of being tossed aside and treated horribly. And so I repeated that message and became promiscuous, never had a normal relationship. Um, and then when I got to law school, I met a guy and I would say we were friends with benefits, um, but there was an emotional component to it. And suddenly all that trauma from the rape came bubbling up and I lashed out at him and feeling that I owed him an explanation for my behavior. I sat down at my computer one day and wrote the story of my rape. And that was the first time I'd ever written a story about my life. 
And it, it was so healing because first of all, I was finally getting it out, but also by writing it, I didn't have the immediate filters or judgments that I had when I told my mother or I told my sorority sister. And when he received that story, he responded with compassion. And so that was the first moment. And that was six years later that I was actually able to begin to deal with the trauma. Well, tell us how you came up with the name Carrington. What is that? Does that have a special meaning? Uh, It's a family name, actually. So um, I was born Carrington Anna Reed Smith. And so my acronym was CARS. Um, Lots of names in my family. And for most of my life, I've gone by Carrie. But as part of my journey, which my life has been about living in the shadows and taking the crumbs that were given to me and hiding out because my, everyone in my family was jostling to be a big wig, like my great-grandfather. And so I was always sort of the, the person in the background, um, trying to avoid being stepped on or hurt and never embraced that name Carrington, which in my mind is such a powerful name. And so part of my journey is stepping up and owning my God-given name. And I think it is interesting that Carrington is about caring, and that is very much my persona. So it is neat in that way. Well, it definitely is a powerful name, Carrington. (laughs) Thank you. Well, the guy, when you told him your story and told him what happened to you, and you said he responded with passion, Compassion. Compassion. Yeah. yeah, compassion. Um, how long did you guys last? Are you guys still together? Are you guys still friends? Or how did that work out? Oh, yeah. Well, it's again, that luckily, because he was a friend, he acted as a friend would. And I was no way in any, I wasn't prepared to have any kind of normal relationship. At that point, I still had so much of that trauma to deal with. So we never even really dated. We just had that situationship, I'll call it, (laughs) Um, for uh, probably about a year through law school. And then um, I actually had, there's some really entertaining stories in the book about how I've actually been married twice. Um, The first person I married was, wait for it, (laughs) a bar manager on Bourbon Street. So I never, this guy, when he proposed to me, I thought there's no way my father will ever bless this marriage. My father being a total snob elitist. And I have to add a lung doctor and the guy that I married, his name's Bo. Um, he was a smoker on top of everything else. (laughs) So I thought there's no way. So I told him, good luck. Um, and he met my father and my father said to him, she's all yours now. And he's came back triumphant and said, your dad did everything, but hand over your birth certificate. So 
there's a lot in my book about my relationship with my father and my abandonment issues with him. But wow, didn't that put the icing on the cake? Um, anyway, Speak, speaking go ahead. of your book, let, let's go ahead and tell tell the listeners what they can expect when they read it and what they can purchase it since you're already, you know, kind of getting into it. Thank you. Yeah. So the book comes out November 16th on amazon.com and it'll be in all the formats from ebook to, you know, hardback, paperback, audiobook. The title of the book is Blooming, Finding Gifts in the Shit of Life. And the way that I arrived at that title was as we were going through COVID, I actually wrote this book and I thought about, I mean, just people got really authentic and gritty during, during COVID, right. Saying this is the, uh, you know, a shitstorm of a lifetime and really came to realize that I was approaching COVID that as if it was an opportunity And while I was hearing this, it really reminded me of a saying one of my friends said to me, which was, with adversity comes opportunity. So I had learned that through all the traumas and difficulties and failures and challenges of life, the shit, that there were gifts in all of this. And so I started to approach, so mindset is a muscle, I like to say, I had learned to start approaching these moments of terror or trauma or failure or difficulty with an eye towards the opportunity or the gift that was within it. And I'll give you an example. I was kind of talking about my father and some of the challenges and I, there's a lot in the book about it, but um, I had someone say to me, you know, what's your greatest strength? And I thought about it and I said, well, intuition, that's my greatest strength. That is by far my greatest strength. And they're like, well, how do you think you got that gift? And I thought about it and I realized my skills of intuition were honed through years of walking on eggshells around my father. And If I hadn't gone through those hard times, I wouldn't have received the gift. And when I had that epiphany, I realized, wow, I know I've always been grateful for the gift of intuition, but when I married it to the path that birthed it, I suddenly realized that I had gratitude for my past for the horrible things that happened to me because I would not change a thing. I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't gone through the trauma that I've been through. So for me, understanding that there were gifts in the trauma, not only did it you know, help me to reframe how I viewed these events in my life, but it also helped me to claim them and turn them into superpowers in my life. And that's what this book is about. I go through different events in life and I 
even the worst of them, even being raped, how those events can be reframed into realizing there's power in them. And then when you do that, they lose their grip on you. So it's really an empowering thing. Well, that's wonderful. Do you have any other projects or I know you got, you got your book release coming up, but are, are there any other projects that you're working on that people need to know about? Well, the book is the main one right now. And then I, the other thing is just, you know, my personal business, um, you know, I think you mentioned at the beginning that I mean, I didn't reference law school. So I did practice law for seven years. And then as many of us have done, I had that moment where I was like, is this really what I want to do? Do I want to spend the rest of my life doing this and rumbled with what was the right thing for me to do, but I was determined to use that law degree and so I started a business as an executive search professional, focusing on placing lawyers um, primarily in companies. So like as the top lawyer in a company, but also as partners with some of the major law firms. And with that business, my success has all been about using my intuition. So well, what kind of attorney were you before you decided to, to make the transition? I was a trial lawyer, but in a very, very boring area, it will make you run. <laughs> so, um, I did litigation for uh, big corporations to lower their property taxes. I know that makes you so excited. <laughs> hey, a lawyer is a lawyer. I mean, you know? Yeah. Do you uh, give out your contact information so people can get in touch with you and connect with you and check out that book, any websites sure. or social media links? Absolutely. So my author website is carrington-smith.com and Carrington is C-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. Um, and then you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, at Carrington ATX. Do you have any final thoughts to close, close it out about any, any comments about trauma or maybe how you're doing today after everything that you've been through? Cause I know you're also a single mom as well. Yeah. I guess I just want to give words of encouragement to people that while you're slogging through it, I want to acknowledge your pain, the trauma that you're experiencing. I mean, I think that's an important part of the process. As I like to say, um, you need to feel, experience rage before you can experience forgiveness. And so likewise, for all the people who are suffering out there right now, um, I acknowledge your pain and trauma, but just to plant that seed of hope just know that with these adversities come opportunities and gifts. And my life is living proof of that. Most definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, carrington-smith.com. Make sure you check out our book. Going to be coming out November 16th. It's going to be a good read. 
Also, please be sure to follow, rate, review, and share this episode, especially if you know somebody going through trauma similar to what Carrie has went through. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Carrington, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Curtis. I appreciate it. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. Dream.